Well, my question is, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? <laughs> Last week was like, um, Jesus, my homeboy. First week is, you know, so we're going through the book of Isaiah. But before I read the scripture, I just want to let you know, did you know that your relationship with your earthly father can affect your relationship with your heavenly father? We're going to go about that a little bit today. But, but my question is, what is your relationship with your father on earth and your father in heaven? Who's your daddy? If you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, we are moving through this, these names of Jesus that Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, foretold about 700 years before Jesus came to earth as a baby. We have to remember, one of Jesus' names that Isaiah doesn't mention, but his name is Emmanuel, with, which means what? God with us. It is incredible that God... Almighty God is one of the names of Jesus, right? Came so humbly as a baby. And, but Isaiah gave us some names of Jesus. And he says this, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. First week we talked about wonderful counselor, like Jesus is, he's so easy to talk to, right? He, he's like, uh, for you guys, he is like the plaid shirt in, uh, on the fishing boat or in the woods. You guys can just be together, don't have to say a word, and he just knows what's going on. For you girls, you like to be chit-chatty, and you're, he's Jesus sitting on the couch with you, sipping a cup of tea, and you guys are going back and forth, chit-chit-chit-chit-chit-chit-chat, and you guys are just like having the time of your life. He's your wonderful counselor. Then last week, we, why we said, um, Jesus, my homeboy, but, but really we're saying, no, is he, or is he almighty God, which is, he is to be revered and respected, and you come to him into his presence. I'm just, every week, I'm just so blown away of how passionate you are about worshiping Jesus. I, I sometimes like to stand in the back because I like to see you worship, but I, today, sitting in the front, I could hear all your voices around me. It's like, you guys are so in love with Jesus. This is amazing. What an absolutely amazing time to be with a body of believers that were pursuing Almighty God together. But another name that he has is Everlasting Father. And today that's what we're going through is Everlasting Father. But we do have a challenge in understanding Jesus as our Father. First and foremost, I thought God's our Father, right? When Jesus, his disciples asked Jesus, well, how do we pray? And we know the Our Father, right? Our Father who art in heaven. Holy is your name. Our Father. Jesus is pointing us to our Father, but yet the name of Jesus is Father, Everlasting Father. Well, again, remember when Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father, and again, reminding ourselves that Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus is actually God incarnate. I know it's a little confusing because we're talking about the Trinity here. They're one, but they're separate. Um... You just have to understand, though, that Jesus modeled for us what it means. He was the flesh and blood of what it would look like, the characteristics 
of a father, of a friend, of a counselor, of Almighty God. I would say the Almighty God part of it, though, would you'd see a better reflection of Almighty God in the Old Testament. I think Jesus in the New Testament, you'd, you'd see more of the uh, wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace. But here we go, Everlasting Father. What does that mean for us today? Well, the first thing we need to acknowledge is, though, that our relationship with our earthly fathers, good or bad, and I know even just bringing up the thought of you thinking about your father for some of you is very painful because you did not have a good fatherly figure. But the reality is, is, is it does impact us of how we view our father in heaven. And we're going to be asking today that God would kind of reorient ourselves to understanding better who our father is. When I was in my 20s, I remember somebody saying to me, you know, exactly that, how we father our kids will be how they view their father in heaven. That stuck with me because that was one very, um, a very big thought and a very high responsibility because I know my failings, I know my shortcomings, I know my tendencies. And yet my desire was I want my kids to know who the heavenly father is. And so I try my best, but knowing that in my humanity, I fail often. But, but we should always be striving. For you parents, you should always be striving to, to say, especially fathers, how do, I, how do I carry myself in a way that represents everlasting father? Well, the, whole, the first thing on everlasting father is realizing it is everlasting. He could have just said father, but instead he says everlasting father, which is showing us that we have, we're eternal beings, and that we have a father that will parent us for all of eternity. And he wants to be in that relationship. He's not just almighty God, like, oh my word, I need to bow. I need to, put a, I need to fall to my knees and like the bright light, I need to stand a distance because almighty God. Or he's just not just the wonderful counselor, Jesus on the couch. But he is everlasting father where he wants to parent you. And he wants to be in that um, daughter-son relationship with you. And so that conjures up a lot of thoughts, right? For some of you, it'd be like, I, I don't know if I trust a fatherly figure in my life because some of that's been your natural experience. But, but how would you kind of picture God the Father would be? Now, you can kind of see that in Jesus, but we know that God is, if you were to say God is and you fill in the blank, what would you say? God is... Good. God is, um, that's not the word I'm looking for. God is love. God is love. So if you say God is love, and by the way, God is good, so that's a good answer. And whatever answer you said that I didn't choose, that is a great answer. Great answer. But I was looking for God is love. <laughs> so, but if you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what love is. And if we were to say, if God is love, and we know that God is, Jesus is God incarnate, then we can say Jesus is. And then if we know that Jesus' name is a father, we can say our father is. You following me? Okay. I, I need some head nods here. We follow me? We got this. Okay, great. So Jesus, if we're going to go 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to, instead of saying what love is, we're going to say Jesus is. Jesus is patient. Or say father. We're going to say our fathers. Our father is patient and kind. 
Father does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude. He does not insist on his own way. Our Father in heaven is not, our everlasting Father is not irritable or resentful. So, you know, again, for me as a dad who am trying to model what the Heavenly Father is, I, I, that's one, I sometimes get irritable. I get hangry sometimes when I get hungry. But, but I'm trying not to be because I want to be a representative of who, but he's perfect, right? So our Father is not irritable or resentful. Our Heavenly Father does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Our Father bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And it says love never ends. And I would say our Father's love for you never ends. Our Father is love. Our Father loves you. He loves me. And if you're to understand who our fathers see, so you have to begin that because some of our earthly fathers have been irritable. Some of our earthly fathers have been, have been mean and rude and angry. Some of our earthly fathers have, have not been there when you wanted them. They have not said hopeful things about you. And yet when he says he believes all things, hopes all things, he, he is saying to you, and you need to hear his voice right now. Some of you need to hear, I believe in you. The Father in heaven is right now saying to you, he believes in you. He sees you. And he has, when he says, I hope all things, he has a plan and a future for you. And he is preparing a way. But this is your Father. This is your Father. And this is Jesus, everlasting Father. So another good way of understanding who our Father is, right? Because we haven't... I haven't seen her father face to face yet. I'm looking forward to that day. But, but what are some of the other qualities? And, and so when you think about the prodigal son, Jesus tells this parable of the, some Bibles will call it the lost son, but the prodigal son. I think it's a great reflection of who our everlasting father is. And for us to understand that, that one of the gifts he gives us is the gift of free will. So here it is, a father, he has two sons, and one son decides he knows better than his father. Any, any kids who have ever felt like you know better than your dad or remember that time? It usually happens when you're like early 20s. You think you're all that <laughs> and you know everything. Not my kids don't think that way. They still think I have something to offer and contribute to their life. <laughs> But the prodigal son, the, the young son decides that he goes, Dad, give me your, my inheritance now. And, and I want to go live my wild life. I want to go live the way I want to live. One of the beautiful gifts that God gives each one of us is a free will. We can choose to be loved by the Father. Choose to be parented by Him. Can I just say something about parenting for a moment as it relates to God? I think so much of our family today is a reflection of what God's intended for um, a spiritual family as well. Um, parents, don't be afraid to discipline your kids because the scripture tells us that God disciplines those he loves. Now, I'm not talking about spanking. I'm not talking about that. But I'm just saying that, that one of the things that God gives us as discipline is he gives us our ability to walk away from his covering and he says, 
I'll let you. It's going to hurt my heart, but I'll let you because I never want to control you. I never want my love to be anything about other than a free gift. I'm not going to control that. It's your choice to whether or not you want to be in that relationship with me or not. And so the son goes off, and guess what? His, his foolish choices begins to show up as discipline in his life. And God's love allowed him, the son, to go off. And then actually his love actually created the discipline. And the discipline was the result of bad choices. Now, I think sometimes God can, can bring discipline another way. But I think a lot of our discipline happens through the result of bad choices. Right? We get to the end of ourselves. And here the son who now has squandered, lost all of his father's money. And, and comes to the end of himself and said, you know what? I would have been better as a servant in my father's house than, than the way I'm living right now. And by the way, that's what sin will lead you to. Sin will lead you to a very dark, a very desolate, a very hopeless place. But this is what I love. This is what I love. After the son has made a choice to, in essence, steal all of his dad's money. He gave it to him, but he squandered it away. Horrible living. Horribly kind of rejected the father. By just leaving and say, like, Dad, I know better than you, lived wildly, decides to come back home. And, and the scripture says that while the son was far off, it was like the father kept looking and waiting and looking day after day and waiting. And some of you need to know that some of your kids and maybe some of you are even feeling like you've wandered a little bit. Know that your father is looking and he's waiting. He's looking and he's waiting. And then he sees the forward motion of his wayward son coming home. And what does the father do? He runs. He runs after his son to embrace him. And some of you need to understand that this is the father. He is not there with his big stick ready to give you a couple uh, Twitches or switches or whatever it is. He's, he's not there to like scold and discipline you like, bad boy. <laughs> now there's sometimes you need to say that to your youngsters. You, what you did, young boy, is not good. But in this situation, what did, the, what did the son need? He needed to know that he was still loved by his father. He needed to know that doesn't matter what he did, the father was still going to embrace him. I think that's what discipline does. It's really bringing correction for what that person needs at that moment. And so here's the father. He knew that he, he had already, the son had already experienced all the discipline of life's bad choices. He was really at his end and his bottom. And he came running to the father and the father embraced him, but not only embraced him, he put a ring on his finger and a cloak. And, and what he basically did is he reinstated him into the family. But here, here's the interesting thing. I say reinstated him to the family. I, he never, lost, never left the family. The son wa- wandered away, but the father always saw him as son. I was at our community Christmas event. By the way, um, I don't know if, if you know this, but we have a school called New England School of Leadership, and we have interns that come while they're taking their online education. And I'm looking around to see if she's here. She might be serving in a classroom. She's serving in a classroom. But if you see Emily Mortimer, she's one of our students, and she 
pulled off an amazing community Christmas event here at the church. We can give her a hand. You can, if you see her, she'll, she'll hear about this. And what, what a gift, though. I was talking to a young lady, and um, she had, didn't go to church. She said she was raised in the church. And again, this was meant to be an event for the community as well as for our church family. And, and she says, you know, I grew up in church. And she just started opening up. And halfway through her story, she goes, I am so sorry. I don't know why I'm telling you everything about my life. But she is. And she goes, you know, then I fell into drugs and I became, uh, you know, substance misuse and 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 she goes I'm clean now I've been clean for so many years and she just lives down the street she's got three little kids in tow and she goes I I don't know if I could ever come back to church I said what she goes well I just told you what my life was like and I said so (laughs) I said we're all a work in progress I said, I, I hope you would feel like you could come back. She says, well, will people judge me? I says, of course they won't judge you. <laughs> because we're a church that cares about people and connecting them with the heart of, of our Father in heaven, which is to embrace, yes, which is to love, not judge, not condemn. You see, the, the scripture says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the enemy will say the lie, right? The enemy will say the lie to say, you've blown it. You're not good enough. You're too far gone. I, I know I'm not spe- speaking to you, but we, we know people in our life, right, who feel that way. And we need to always be a church that is willing to say, it's okay. The Father just wants to embrace you. The Father just wants to put a ring on your finger. The Father wants to put cloak you with his love. You know, and I, I just have seen that picture, and I just wonder if, if there's more people that could understand that kind of love. But I think it's, it's for us, we also have to carry that kind of love with us. We have to be, we have to be model who Jesus is, wonderful counselor, yes. Point people to Almighty God, and then we have to be able to be saying, but, but he's, a, he's an everlasting father that really wants to parent you and love you and care for you. And I think we do that by looking at the love through that love scripture of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, because we have to reorient ourselves of who God is. And I think sometimes we feel like it's the God who's ready to, to come after you, the God that's ready to, like, is shaking his head in disappointment, or the God that's like, you're too far gone, you, I gave you too many chances. That's not God. God is long-suffering. God hopes that none should perish. God's desire is to embrace everybody back into his family and love them back into restoration. And the restoration is this. The restoration is this. It's not so they can go to church every Sunday, which I believe it's important to be part of a faith community. Regularly, by the way. Regularly be a part of a faith community. It's important. But that's not what he's asking. He's saying, would you allow me to love you? Will you allow me to love you in such a way that you can feel safe and feel like your being becomes restored? Your soul becomes restored. Your spirit comes alive again, and you get to experience the fullness of his kingdom. A 
God wants us to know the name of Jesus as everlasting father. And, and I know it's hard because we've always, at least for me, it's hard for me because I picture, I pray to God and I guess I pray to Jesus, but I picture God as my father and I picture Jesus as my wonderful counselor. And sometimes trying to mish the, mash those together gets confusing to me, but I realize if there are three or one, and yes, God is different than Jesus, but yet Jesus really personifies everything that the Father is. But I wonder if this Christmas that we can come to him not only as seeing Jesus as our wonderful counselor, that we approach the manger like the wise men did in awe and wonder, kneeling, bearing our best gifts or giving our best gifts, presenting our best gifts. There's something about sacrifice that I think that took place when the wise men gave those gifts that I thought was, I'm not going to go there, but it's very powerful. I think there's something about acknowledging who baby Jesus was as almighty God. But then you come to this thing of realizing that he really wants to be in this parental relationship, this father relationship that he has this heart for us that says, if you want, if you want to be a part of this family, if you want to be under my covering, if you want to be in my kingdom, I'll care for you. And I will... I will mark you with a ring. I will clothe you with my love. And it's like the cloak that he put on that son. It was, I, I just kind of envision it as his, his cloak of just acceptance and love for us. He just cloaks us with that. And we can come to him and knowing that we can be safe and secure and loved. That, that when we, we mess up, by the way, none of us should be trying to mess up, but the reality is, is we do. And, and anything that is, you know, that separates us from, from God, it's not that God turns his back on us. It's like our sin makes us feel ashamed and we want to walk away from God. You see that in the Garden of Eden, right? God is pursuing Adam and Eve, but in their sin, they were like trying to hide. That's what sin does. It separates us. Not because God is, is out to get us, but because we're, we get shame and we feel like we're not good enough. And God has continued to pursuing us and saying, no, come close. I want to just love you as a father. And I keep saying God, but I because I, it's hard for me, but this is a name that was given to Jesus. That he carries that same mantle of, of that father. one scripture that really captured me as a way of kind of summing this message up. It's in Zephaniah. It's, he's a minor prophet right at the end of the Old Testament. Zephaniah, Haggai, Malachi, or Zechariah, Malachi. I think I'm in there. Yeah, I'm right. A book that you probably don't go to very often, but this is what he says. If you just close your eyes for a moment as I read this, I, I want you to just to hear these words. And as you listen to them, thinking about wonderful counselor, mighty God, 
everlasting Father, and next week we'll get to Prince, or this Christmas Eve, Prince of Peace. But listen to this verse. Here we go. Close your eyes. The Lord your God is in your midst, an almighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Father, that scripture for us, as we close to pray, that you're close to us. The Lord your God is in your midst, meaning Jesus, by your spirit, even today, you're close to us, not far away. A mighty one who will save. And Jesus, you are our Savior. Mighty God, we come to you and we live our life with reverence and awe. But you will rejoice over us with gladness. And I I believe right now, as, as your eyes are still closed, that you would just feel God's pleasure over your life. That Jesus is singing over you. That he is saying, well done. I love you. And I know some of you are like saying, well done, but you just don't know what I did last night. You just don't know what I did this past week. And he's saying, no, you keep coming to me. That's well done. You keep coming to me. That's well done. And then he goes, he will quiet you by his love. And I, I know some of us have not had some of us here some of you here maybe have not had great fatherly relationships. Lord, I'm grateful for my father who, is, who modeled you well. But Lord, I do know that there's some who don't, have not had that. And so Lord, let them experience your love. Let them experience your deep love. Jesus, right now, by your Holy Spirit, let this room be filled with your love that they can sense you and your presence and your love for them. You will exalt over us with loud singing. And I kind of thought about that first song that we sang today, Lord. Drums! Drums! I kind of picture that loud singing, which is just like this exuberance, the little drummer boy who like, I didn't have much to give, but I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to play this drum loud and I'm going to play this for you, God, because you've given me breath. You've given me life. You've given me this ability to come close to you, that you've saved me. I'll play these drums with everything I have. Because what you're doing in response to us is you're singing over us. When we think that we're playing for you, you're singing over us. You're playing for us and you're drawing us closer to you. For that, we thank you. So Lord, we're grateful for Isaiah who gave us these words of wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, For the names of you, Lord Jesus Christ, let us experience the multifacets of who you are. Let us embrace you in your fullness. And today, let us realize that you are our everlasting Father wanting to be in a 
relationship with, with you as our sons and daughters, that you are singing over us, loving us so kindly, so gently, not irritable at us, not quick to anger, not rude, but just wooing us with great affection because you love us so much as your sons and daughters. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.